on Wednesday nights, we're doing a message series with students that we're calling Goals. And it's about pointing your life in the right direction, keeping your eyes on the right thing. And we shared the story this week of an Olympic athlete uh, who competes in riflery. Um, the story of Mark Emmons and in uh, 2004, something that happened to him that really was a pretty significant gaffe. Because going into the Athens Olympics, he was so good at what he did. He was so good at shooting that he just really dominated the competition. And he was going into his final shot, and he was so far ahead of the competition. Literally, all he had to do on his last shot was hit the target. He'd been making bullseye, 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 bullseye. All he had to do was hit the target, and he would have won the gold medal. So he steps up. And he sights in, and he pulled the trigger, and he hit really, really close to perfect bullseye. Pretty good, right? Except there was a problem. When he looked in the scope to look at his shot, he, he couldn't see it. When the judges looked in their scope to see the shot, they didn't see it. And he, he looks at him and he says, I shot, I promise I shot. And they're looking again and then finally someone realizes that he had in fact hit the bullseye, but he hit the bullseye on the wrong target. See, it's called a cross shot, a rare mistake, but he made this mistake on the biggest stage and it not only cost him a gold medal, it dropped him down to eighth place and he didn't meddle at all. And what we've reminded our students this week is that even the best shot at the wrong target is useless. I feel like coming out of the Becoming series, that what we've done in the Becoming series is we've identified the target to become all that God wants us to be, to embrace God's best for our lives, Becoming is more about being than it is about doing. God is more concerned with our hearts than our stuff because the being, the actions, come from who we are. The doing comes from the being. Today I want us to look at the things that maybe trip us up from keeping our eyes on the target. See, sometimes I think we sabotage ourselves. Sometimes I think we mess up our own ability to become because along the way, we allow the target to get fuzzy. Along the way, we start looking at the target to the left or the target to the right. I want to share a story with you. It's one of my favorite stories in the Old Testament from Exodus chapter 8. Now, just a few chapters prior to this story, we see the story of Moses and the burning bush. We talked about this a while back. And just to catch you up, if you missed that, Moses was tending sheep one day. He sees a bush on fire. He goes over to check it out, and he realizes that this bush is burning, but it doesn't burn up. 
And then from inside the bush, he hears a voice that is calling him. And then he soon realizes that the voice speaking to him is the voice of the Lord. And God tells him, Moses, I have great plans for you. You know the plans that you have for your life? The things that you think are so great? You, you got, okay, I got this figured out and then I'm going to do that. I want to do something so much bigger. I want to give you something so much greater than you can even imagine right now. And he said, Moses, I want to use you to deliver my people, the Israelites, from slavery. He says, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go to Pharaoh, who are holding the Israelites in captivity. And I want you to say, Pharaoh, let God's people go so that they may worship God and experience all God has for them. Immediately, if you'll remember, Moses starts making mistakes. He starts coming up with every idea in the world of how he cannot possibly be the one that God can use. How he can not possibly be the one to inherit all that God wants to give him. You remember his, his first excuse was, who am I? Who am I? I'm a nobody. And God reminds him, no, you are a somebody because of me. Then he says, well, God... What if I fail? And God says, I'll, I'll do it through you. Then he says, God, I'm not even that good at speaking. I have like a speech impediment. How in the world are you going to use my mouth? And God says, Moses, who made your mouth? I made your mouth. If I'm going to use your mouth, I'll use your mouth however I want. And God says, look, I've already prepared the way, even things you don't know about. I'm already sending someone to come and help you. I have this all planned out. Would you just surrender to me? Would you just give up all that you're trying to hold on to and let me give you something better? Moses, would you just point your life at the right target and let me do what I do? So Moses surrenders to the Lord and he goes to Pharaoh. And we're told that Pharaoh's heart was hard. Moses says, hey, God said, let his people go. And Moses says, no, that's not going to happen. And he says, well, if it doesn't happen, things are about to get crazy up in here. I'm paraphrasing, so that's like my translation of the verse. It's about to get crazy up in here. And what we see when God said to Moses, Moses, give me your fears, give me your excuses, give me your anxieties, and let me give you all that I have for you. What we're about to see when Moses said, I mean, when God says to Pharaoh, Pharaoh, let my people go. Let go of what you're holding on to. Let me do something big here. And he says, no, we're about to realize this truth that we see over and over and over and over again in Scripture. And the truth is this. Anything God asks of you is for your good and it's for his glory. How many times do we lose sight of that fact? Anything God asks of you is for your good and it's for his glory. God said, Moses, I want you to do, what, 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 what in the world are you, God, are you serious here? Why would you do that to me? And God's saying, I'm trying to bless you, man. Dude, I'm trying to give you more than you can imagine. Just, just chill. Put your eyes on the target and become all that I want you to be. He says to Moses, I want my people. He says to Pharaoh, let my people go. And Pharaoh's heart is hardened. So things do start getting crazy. God sends plagues to get Pharaoh's attention. 
The first plague was the plague of blood. Imagine this. All the water in the land turns to blood. That's nasty, right? You're swimming in Lake Lanier. Not, not the cleanest water in the whole world, but, you know, it, you would happily, happily prefer the muddy water of Lake Lanier than if it were to turn to blood. You're taking a bath. You're taking a shower. You're drinking a cup of water. It turns to blood. You think this would get Pharaoh's attention. Moses says, hey, let my people go. And his heart is so hard, even with all of this going on, he says, no, I, I want to hold on to what I have. The next plague, this is my favorite, right? Because it's so wild to imagine this happening. Exodus chapter 8, we see this incredible scene begin to unfold, starting in verse 1. Then the Lord said to Moses, go back to Pharaoh and announce to him, this is what the Lord says, let my people go so that they can worship me. And if you refuse to let them go, I will send a plague of frogs across your entire land. Huh. The Nile River will swarm with frogs. They will come up out of the river and into your palace, even into your bedroom, and even onto your bed. They will enter the houses of your officials and your people. They will even jump into your ovens and your kneading bowls. Frogs will jump on you, on your people, and on all your officials. Then the Lord said to Moses, tell Aaron, raise the staff in your hand over all the rivers, canals, ponds in Egypt and bring up frogs over all the land. So Aaron did this. He raised his hand over the waters of Egypt and the frogs came up and they covered the whole land. Pharaoh's heart was so hard, he's refusing to let go of what was God. He, he's not letting go of what actually belonged to God because he was stubborn. He was self-focused. He was aiming his heart at the wrong target. And he said no. And boy, do things get crazy. Did y'all catch what was going on there? It says that frogs came up out of every body of water. Every pond, every river, every stream, every mud hole, frogs came up, and they were, there were so many frogs, it literally covered the ground. Oh, y'all got to imagine how many frogs this is here. Can you imagine walking on the ground, and everywhere you step, there's a frog there? Squish, squish. Squish. Now, back then, they didn't have Air Jordans. They were in sandals or they were barefooted. Imagine this, right? Everywhere you step, you're stepping on frogs. It said there were so many frogs that the frogs came into his palace, into his home. It says it came into his bedroom. It says it got into his bed. Have you ever gotten in bed at night and you all like, Tucked in on the covers and, ah, you're good. Do whatever it is you do. And then you feel something move. Have you ever felt something move in your bed before? What do you do? Instant freak out, right? You are out of bed. Every cover's off your bed. Every light in the house is on. Your 911 is on the phone, you know? Can you imagine doing this and there being not just one, but many frogs in the bed with you? 
It says there are frogs everywhere. They're even in the kitchen. They're even in the oven. It says that they're even in the pots and pans. They're in the kneading bowl. Can you imagine like getting up and you're making breakfast and you're making some, you know, dough for biscuits or whatever. And there's a lump in the dough. And what do you do if there's a lump in the dough, right? You get down on it. You squeeze it real good, right? Yes, this is nasty. There's a very, very vivid description of just how bad it is. You put the biscuits in the oven. You pull them out, and it's just crispy critters everywhere, right? That is what is going on here. It is bad. Now, notice this. Pharaoh's stubbornness, his hardened heart toward God, is not just affecting him. Now, I imagine when he saw the frogs coming everywhere, he's saying, uh-oh, huh, how are we going to manage this? This ain't good. But when the frogs started getting in his house, When, when Mrs. Pharaoh is getting in bed and there's frogs in there, can, can you hear her right now? Boy, you better get rid of these frogs. I'm going to give you exactly five minutes to do. I mean, she, he's on the couch for sure right about now. What are you doing? Pharaoh, what are you doing here, man? What do you think and do something about these frogs? And we see illustrated in this story something that is so true that your relationship with God significantly impacts those around you. It was his hardened heart toward the Lord was not only affecting him from experiencing God's best, it's affecting his whole household. Let's walk through again. Who all is it affecting? It says the frogs were in his house. It affected his home. I talk to families all the time, and they're in crisis, and they're hurting. And parents say, you know, I want better for my kids. I want my kids to take their relationship with the Lord seriously, or our home is just falling apart. It's falling all apart. And I say, tell me about your relationship with the Lord. Tell me how you're seeking the Lord. Tell me how you're aiming your life at the right target. And they say, well, you know, I, I intend to... To make God a big deal, I just, you know, I just, I, I just don't do it. Well, guess what? Your relationship with the Lord has a significant impact on those around you. Man, if you're living in sin, if you're not making God a big deal when parents drop their kids off at church and then they ride down the road, what are they communicating right there? It's not a big deal. It says it affected his home. Next, it affected his bedroom. Let's just say it affects our relationships. It affects our spouse. It, it affects those closest to us. What else? It says it affected his servants' quarters. Th that, that are those who work with you or for you. It affects your employees. It says it affected his people. This is your friends. These are those that you have relationship with. Have you ever stopped to consider how your relationship with the Lord affects those around you, starting with your household and going out, both positively and negatively? 
When you're living in obedience to the Lord, when you're living pointing your life at the right target, it will affect those around you. Because why? Because when you abide in Christ, he changes your heart. He changes your identity to reflect him to the world. The power of his Holy Spirit works in you to make you more like Christ. Do you think if Christ was living in your house, would it affect your household? Absolutely. Well, guess what? He does that through us. And I have parents sometimes tell me, well, you don't understand about my relationship with the Lord. It's, it's complicated. I'm here to talk about my kids' relationship with the Lord. And you know what I say? We can't talk about their relationship with the Lord unless we talk about your relationship with the Lord. Yes, their relationship is their relationship. They're accountable for what they do with the Lord. But guess what? Your relationship with God impacts your entire household. It impacts your friends. It impacts your community. Why? Because you represent Christ everywhere you go. And if you're pointing your life at the right target, God is going to do things in you and God is going to do things through you that impact everyone around you. Notice what else? It says that it, it got in his ovens and in his kneading bowls. You know what's happening here? His stubbornness, his hard heart, his foggy sight on the target of what's really important here, him holding on to what he wanted. You know what it's doing? It's affecting his nourishment. It's affecting his growth. When people say, Trip, I just, man, I just, I don't feel like I'm growing. I, I just don't, I feel so stagnant. I just feel like, man, malnourished in some way. I say, well, how's your heart? Man, is there sin in your life? It, are you aiming at the right target? Are you holding on to something that God is asking you? Because when you do that, it affects your growth. It affects your nourishment. So things are bad. Man, things are real bad. His house is in disarray. His relationships are in disarray. His nourishment is all messed up. He's in a hot mess. And what is at the root of this? His disobedience. His stubbornness. His idea that I want to hold on to what is mine. And we see in verse 8, Then Pharaoh summoned Moses and Aaron and he begged. Man, he got so bad. He is now begging them. All right, y'all got to do something up in here. All right, enough. Enough with the frogs. He said, plead with the Lord to take the frogs away from me and from my people. And I will let your people go so that they can offer sacrifices to the Lord. Now check out what Moses says to him right here. Pharaoh says, man, you got to do something with these frogs. Get a Right now, I mean, just, you got to plead with God, take them away. And Moses says something very interesting here. He says, you set the time. You tell me when you want me to pray. And then when I pray, you and your houses will be rid of the frogs, and they will remain only in the Nile River. This is such an interesting question here. Pharaoh says, all right, pray to God, get them gone. Moses says, when do you want me to pray? You set the time when I pray. 
This is such an important question here because what he is doing is he is testing the heart of Pharaoh. Not just, I want all this junk gone. I want my life to be better. I, I, I just, just get rid of the problem. He's testing his heart and he's saying, you tell me when you're going to let go. You tell me when you're going to aim at the right target. You, you, tell me, you set the time, Pharaoh. Check out verse 10. What do you think he's going to say here? Like right now, like 10 minutes ago, let's, let's bow our heads together in prayer. Check out what he says. Pharaoh said, do it tomorrow. Hold on. Let me make sure I read that right. Pharaoh said, do it tomorrow. <laughs> My man's life is in disarray. His house is a hot mess. His relationships are a hot mess. He is in a moment of crises. And, Pharaoh, and uh, Moses says to Pharaoh, all right, you set the time. When do you want to give it all to God? When are we going to do this? And Pharaoh says, uh, how about tomorrow? What in the world? <laughs> Why in the world would he say, let's pray tomorrow when his life is a hot mess now. You know what he's saying? Man, I want to hold on to what I want for just a little bit longer. Now, before we jump on Pharaoh and say, what a moron. What a complete idiot. Y'all seeing this guy, man, what is he smoking? Are you kidding me? Think of how we do that in our lives sometimes. Think of how God says, you know what? Would you give that to me? Oh, yeah, 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 God, I'll, I'll give it to you. I'll get around to giving that to you. When God says, would you make me the biggest deal in your family? Oh, yes, of course I'll do that. Man, I, I kind of got a bit busy season right now. Once I get through this busy season, man, absolutely, that is my intention. And we could go through every area of our lives, and the temptation is to say, I'm going to get around to that. I'm going to do it, but I'm going to do it tomorrow. Let's don't miss this truth right here because we forget this. We forget that delayed obedience is disobedience. Man, we have the best intentions in the world, and we think that our intentions are going to get us somewhere. And we say, sure, God, we're going to do that. Yes, I, man, I intend for that to be what's what for my family. That's what I want. But whatever that is that we hold on to, we are robbing ourselves now of God's best, and we're robbing ourselves now of God's blessing. Whatever it is, see, we can have confidence that as you respond in obedience today, that God can take your frogs, and God can give you his very best. See, what God can do today in our lives is what Moses said to Pharaoh you do this, and then you will know that there is no one like our God. 
But let's not have the intention without the obedience. Because this is always, always true. Intention without action leads to regret. Intention without action leads to regret. I shared a a blog post that was notes from uh, the first Becoming Breakout we did. And it was 10 regrets. Over 21 years of working with students, the top 10 regrets that I hear parents share. If I could go back and do parenting through elementary, middle, high school again, here is what I would do differently. Here's, Here's my top regret. You know what all of them have in common? They all involve an intention. I always meant to do this. I just never got around to it. I just never got around to it. We go on at the end of this passage and we see that Moses prayed. And God did what he said he would do. All the frogs died and and they heaped it up. And they stunk. Our mess stinks. And they heaped it up and the whole land stunk because of this evidence of disobedience and stubbornness. But the frogs were gone. And it says as soon as the frogs were gone, in verse 15, when Pharaoh saw he had some relief, he became stubborn again. Here's my question to you today. What is it that God has called you to that you're still holding back? What is it God's calling you to that you're still holding back? What step of obedience have you been delaying? Man, as we were so wonderfully reminded in becoming as we've identified what the target is or who the target is, what is taking your eyes off of that target and what would keep you today from trading your frogs for God's best? Let's bow our heads together. It's so easy to look at a story of someone else, someone like Pharaoh, And say, man, this guy got it all wrong. How in the world could he mess up his home and his relationships? And how could he hold on to frogs when God wanted to do something so big? But yet it's so easy in our own hearts and our own lives to overlook even the smallest things that are keeping us from experiencing God's very best for our life. Let me ask you in this moment a prayer. What is that one thing that you've been holding on to? That man, it's affecting your family, it's affecting your relationships, it's affecting you from experiencing all that God has for you. What is it you've been holding on to? Maybe that is a someone. Maybe it's a relationship. Maybe maybe there's someone who has hurt you. And maybe what you've been holding on to is bitterness or anger. 
maybe you've been holding on to guilt and you've never really said, God, would you take this guilt? Would you take this shame? I'm sorry. I release it all to you. One of the biggest epidemics that we're seeing with students is self-harm. And so many of them are self-harming because there's this idea that I did something. And because I did something, I feel shame or regret, so I need to hurt myself. And our message to them is, dude, you don't need to cut yourself. Because Jesus already died. He already took that shame. He already took that guilt. And scripture says, by his stripes, we are healed. So let go of that guilt. Let go of that shame and receive the forgiveness. Receive all that Jesus wants to give you. What is it today that you would say, God, I've been holding on to this frog. I know it seems silly. I know it seems crazy. But God, I'm going to trust you to take it today. I give it to you. Maybe you're here and you've never really ever given your heart and your life to Christ. And maybe you've heard of how Christ pursued us and how he died on the cross. And because he did take that beating, because he did bleed, because he did die, He made a payment for your sin and my sin. And you've heard that if we put our trust in him, if we die to ourselves and say, I want to identify with you, I want to give you everything that you can have, eternal life and abundant life, but you've just never given up yourself to him before. Maybe today is the day that you need to say, God, I want to give you me and I want to give you all of me. Forgive me of my sins. Come into my heart, come into my life, and save me. Father God, thank you that when we give you all of us, when we give all of us to all of you, truly we can know that there is no one like our God. So Father, may we respond today and every day in obedience. May we walk with you. God, may our homes honor you. May our workplaces honor you. And God, whenever we're tempted to hold anything back, may we be reminded of the ridiculousness of holding on to frogs. May we never rob ourselves of the greatest gifts that you want to give us. God, we love you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to invite you to stand with us. Go ahead, y'all can stand. And let's just sing one time the chorus to this song right here as a reminder as we go today. And oh, I'm running to your arms, I'm running to your arms, the riches of your love will always be enough, nothing compares to your embrace, light of the world forever sing it one more time. Running to your arms, I'm running to your arms. 
of your love will always be will enough. Always be enough. Nothing compares. Nothing compares to your embrace. Light of the world forever. As you go today, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be kind to you. May the Lord show favor to you, and may he give you peace. I hope you have a wonderful holiday. I hope you have a wonderful, wonderful week. Thank you. Go in peace.